Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 145 this evening. We'll start there. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Now, if you're full of something, that means you can't have any, there's no room for anything else, right? So where it says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Notice that last phrase in verse 9, his tender mercies are over all of his works. That means everything Jesus did was, was connected with and because of the, the mercy of God. Now, there are a lot of examples of uh, Jesus being moved with compassion and healing the sick. Let's look at a couple of those. First of all, let's look at Matthew chapter 8. The thing I want to get across to you is that mercy and compassion, those two words, which basically mean the same thing. There's, there's a, a shade of difference in the meaning, perhaps, but it's for all intents and purposes. They both mean the same thing. Mercy and compassion are not words that are associated with the power of God. They have nothing to do with the power of God. What they do have to do with is God's willingness to be good to his children. When we talk about the Lord being merciful, we're not talking about how, how powerful he is. We're talking about how good he is to us. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Let me read this to you from Mark's account. Verse 40. Chapter 1. Verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He believes Jesus has the power to do it. He just doesn't know about the willingness. And Jesus moves with compassion. Put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Now let me read this to you from Luke chapter 5, Luke's account, verse 12. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. John is the only gospel writer that doesn't include this account. And probably the reason he doesn't is because he knows the other three gospels already have. Anything that, the, that is contained in three or four of the gospels, I think deserves a little bit more of our attention. And our understanding that the Holy Ghost is trying to get something across to us. And this case, in this case, this individual... He believed that God was able to heal him. Now, we don't know what the basis of his faith was. Probably he's heard stories of other lepers being cleansed or other diseases being healed. But something has put him in the position, something that he's heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Something has brought him to the place where he believes Jesus can. Folks, I would submit to you that that's the position of most of the modern day church. They believe that God can do anything. They just don't know what he's willing to do. And that was this man's question. And Jesus, Mark's account says, moves with compassion, reached out and touched him. And said, I will be thou clean. And he was cleansed. 
There are a lot of times in the Bible where people cried out for mercy and they got healing. In Matthew's gospel, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 27, it said, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. They called for mercy, and they got healing for their blind eyes. There's another account in Matthew chapter 15, the Syrophoenician woman. And behold, behold, and behold a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. She came seeking mercy, and she got deliverance for her daughter. One more example. Matthew chapter 20, verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. When they heard that Jesus passed by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Notice what they're asking for. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Now, this is still Matthew's account, so this can't be the same two blind men story that we just read earlier in chapter 9. Two different guys. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I do unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, their eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. There's another account. We won't take time to look, look at it right now. But over in Mark chapter 5, there's an account of the Gadarene demoniac. You remember the guy that, that uh, was possessed with the devil and he lived in the graveyards? And the Bible says that, uh, that he couldn't be bound with chains or fetters. He had supernatural strength, not godly given or God given, but uh, work of the devil, I'm sure. But he had supernatural strength to be able to break the chains and the the wood fetters and other things they tried to contain him in. Well, Jesus came that way and, long story short, delivered him from the power of the devil. And then it tells us that the people came out from around the, the, the city's roundabout and they saw him and now that he was in his right mind, he was clothed and everything was normal about him and he wanted to follow Jesus. He asked Jesus if he could go with him. And Jesus gave him other instructions instead. He said, go tell how the Lord has had great compassion on you. Go tell about the mercy of God that delivered you. As a side note, the Bible says that he began to publish in all the region around about Decapolis and great multitudes. The next time Jesus came through there, he had some of the biggest crowds and biggest uh, multitudes of any place that he'd ever been. Because one man published the mercy of God. One man told about the Lord's compassion. 
Now, I want you to look with me to Mark chapter 5, the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Everybody should know that one, right? Beginning in verse 25, it says, In a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. In verse 34, that word whole, the first word whole is the uh, Greek word sozo. It's also translated saved in several places. For example, in James chapter 5, verse 15, it says, In the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That's this word sozo. Well, we know that it's talking about healing because the previous verse said, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. So this word sozo that's translated uh, healed and saved is an all-inclusive term that, that uh, encompasses everything that Jesus did and purchased for us on the cross. There's a lot of times where this word, say, this word sozo is translated saved and people just ex uh, expect it to be talking about forgiveness of sins. For example, when the Bible tells us to pray for leaders and those that are in authority, it says that God would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That time that word saved is sozo too. Well, what does that mean? Certainly we understand that God wants everybody to be born again. But does he want everybody to be healed? The Holy Ghost instructed Paul to use a word that says so. It's the will of God for all men to be saved, delivered, rescued, made safe, made sound, and healed. Now let me ask you a question, folks. We've already seen from our text scriptures in Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9, that God's tender mercies are over all of his works. How does the, the compassion or the mercy of God fit in with the woman with the issue of blood? She doesn't even come to Jesus and ask him for anything. She's heard of Jesus, obviously heard of his healing um, experience. He's heard, she's heard of people that were healed at least by touching his garment. And there are a couple of different times where the, the Gospels give us that information. One is in Matthew chapter 14 where it says, talking about the multitudes, as many as sought to touch him were made whole. So whether she's heard that specifically or something else that triggers that as a point of contact or uh, an expression of her faith, we don't know for sure. But Jesus doesn't even know that she's coming. There's no indication whatsoever that Jesus had any foreknowledge of what was going on. Doesn't tell us about Jesus praying all night and God showing him that it was going to happen. If Jesus knew it was going to happen, if he had seen it in a vision or something like that, he wouldn't have to ask who did it. He'd be able to tell, oh, you're the one I saw in my dream or my vision. But rather she came based on the faith that she obtained by hearing of Jesus. And she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. If I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. 
And as soon as she touched him, that healing power of God went out of Jesus into her. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Folks, we get so busy talking about faith being something other than what you see and feel that we forget sometimes that God wants you to feel healed. God wants you to have the feelings associated with the goodness of his works. You just can't put that first. You can't judge the healing power of God or the goodness of God by what you feel. You have to judge it first by the word. But if we're truly in faith, then that will bring us to a place where we feel healed of our plague or whatever the case might be. Psalm 107 verse 20 says God sent his word and healed them. So the mercy of God had to be on Jesus, the word made flesh, when he's walking on his way to Jairus' house just as much as when he got to Jairus' house or just as much as when he was ministering to the multitudes and healing them all. The power of God was resident on Jesus. And apparently there's a lot of people touching him on every quarter. Because when Jesus asked the disciples, who touched my clothes? Their response is, the multitude thronged thee. That has to mean that people were reaching out, trying to touch him and grab hold of him as he made his way through those crowds to Jairus' house. Now, folks, why is everybody trying to touch him? They've heard the same things that the woman with the issue of blood heard. They've heard of the healings and the miracles and the, the wondrous things that had been done. They've heard of the tender mercies of God over all of his works in other places before Jesus got to them. They're reaching out trying to grab him. At least some of them, we ha would have to assume, are reaching out trying to grab something, perhaps even grab the healing power of God. But nothing worked. Nothing worked for them. Was God a respecter of persons? Is he playing favorites? Does he just want to heal the woman with the issue of blood and not the others in the crowd? She's the only one in the crowd that operated by faith. She's the only one in the crowd that understood that faith was necessary to trigger the anointing and the healing power of God. If everybody in that multitude had had a chance to believe or had taken what they had heard about Jesus personally like the woman with the issue of blood did, then they could have had a great healing multitude right there. But she's the only one in the crowd that reached out and touched him in faith. There's a, a story that's chronicled and written by John Lake. It came from his diary. He was a man of God that was greatly used on the continent of Africa. And then later in his life, he came back to uh, Spokane, Washington, and had um, a great ministry there. He set up healing rooms. And God blessed them, and there were hundreds of thousands of testimonies even doctors' reports and confirmations of people being healed, many from situations that medical science had given up on. But Lake was, while he was still in Africa, there was uh, somebody in his church, a young girl that was uh, in one of the churches that he was pastoring or had founded, and she was undergoing terrible, terrible pain, enduring terrible pain from the sickness that had ravaged her body. And it was an excruciating thing for her. But because of the nature of the disease, it was torment upon torment. And Lake had been with her, had been staying up over several days and hadn't left her bedside, praying and believing God for healing. Now, he certainly knew something about healing because of the hundreds of thousands of people that had been healed under his ministry. He's not some novice that doesn't know what to do. 
So he's been caring for her or at least sitting with her for a long period of time. And one of the family members came to him and said, look, you need to go home and get some rest and, and so forth. And he really didn't want to leave her, but at least he went home and put on a fresh shirt. And he was coming back to the house where this little girl was. And from several blocks away, he heard her screams. And he said, the next thing I knew, I was sitting by her bedside, or really sitting on her bed. And I had pulled her up and taken her in my arms. And the healing power of God flowed out of me into her, and she was perfectly well. He said the thing that made the difference in that case was that he was overwhelmed with the compassion of God for this little girl. And when that compassion took hold, it brought healing and deliverance to the, to the little girl. It became quite a story. It solidified the work of God. It solidified the truth of the word of God in the region in which he was working. I've always, I'll never forget that story. Maybe that's a better way to say it. I'll never forget that story because the Bible says Jesus is moved with the feelings of our infirmities. The Bible says that Jesus has been raised and seated with, with, uh, uh, at the right hand of God the Father to be a faithful and merciful high priest, not a powerful high priest. We know he's powerful. Nobody argues that. But a faithful and merciful high priest. There's a, a young lady that uh, Beth and I knew, well, really just were acquainted with. I don't guess either one of us was really close friends with her. But she had had a, a tremendous healing miracle in uh, 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 some meetings that she was holding overseas. And, uh, and everybody was talking about it. I mean, it was a spectacular thing. Little girl was born with a deformed arm. All she had was just a little skinny thing hanging from her shoulder that was about six or eight inches long, perhaps. And so we were excited to hear the testimony. As you can well imagine, it was something that would cause a great stir. Well, we ran into her at a camp meeting uh, that Brother Hagen, one of his annual meetings that he held in Tulsa. And so we were attending that meeting, and so we saw her. And I wanted to get the story firsthand, because you know how things like that grow. So I wanted to get the story firsthand, so I asked her about it. And she said she dropped her head and kind of shook her head and said, Oh, well... I was in a series of meetings, and these were just church meetings, small, town, uh, small cities in Europe, I think it was. I don't even remember for sure what country. But she had been there for a little time and had been ministering in some churches, and the meetings had not gone well at all. This was her account. She said, I felt so bad about the meetings. It was just I was doing everything I knew to do, but it was just a, a barrier that I couldn't seem to break through, whatever it was. And she said it was late. I'd prayed for a lot of people with apparently no results. And then they brought this little girl, the mother brought this little girl to her. And so she sat her in her lap. And all the time she's telling this, she's not telling it with great vigor or enthusiasm. It's like it was something she didn't want to be talking about. And then I understood why. She said, I put the little girl in my lap. And I'm getting ready to say the same things over her concerning the healing power of God that I had for the other people that I prayed for. 
She said, but inside. I said, Lord, I can't do anything to help this little girl, but you can. And she said, when she said that, and the way she had her, she had uh, her, uh, one of her hands over her shoulder. She said, when she just said that, and didn't even say it out loud, just said it to herself and to God. She said, when she said that, she felt something happen with this little girl's arm. And she opened her eyes quick enough to see a whole new arm, a brand new arm appear. That story really had an impact on me. Because a lot of times, it seems that people are quick to take, granted, take for granted or take credit for things that God and only God can do. What did the mother of the, of the child believe? I don't know. She at least had enough faith to bring her to the, to the healing minister. Whether that was desperation or real faith, I don't know. But one thing we can know for sure, the only way that could have happened was because God was good and his mercy endures forever. One of the things I don't understand about people that preach against healing at least the way that we know it, preach against healing belonging to everybody, believe against healing belonging, uh, being a part of what Jesus accomplished for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. One of the things that I have a hard time with about that, and there are a lot of things, there are a lot of ways to disprove it, to prove that healing is true and right and for everyone. But one of the things that has always struck me is that for people to say that the healing power of God or the healing ministry of God doesn't work like it did in the book of Acts, doesn't work today as it did in the early days of the church well since God's mercies his tender mercies are over all of his works that would be them saying that God's mercy has changed because we saw several examples and there are a lot more but we saw several examples of people that called out for mercy and received healing well has God's mercy changed has it come to an end the Bible says that God's mercy endures forever well, then his healing mercy endures forever, too. I can appreciate the honesty of the, the lady that told us the story of the healing miracle that took place. She had emptied herself out. She had done the best job she could with very little, if any, results. But when she came to the place where she said, Lord, I can't do anything about this, only you can. That's when God took over. Now, I'd like to be able to tell you she continued the meetings and all of a sudden the whole of the European continent opened up to the, the gospel. But that's not how it went. See, folks, people that are believing for or think they're waiting for a miracle in order to believe, when the miracle occurs, they don't believe that it was God. They'll always want another proof. That's why we shouldn't build our ministries, shouldn't live our Christians' lives based on miracles. We should know that miracles are real. We should know that our faith can produce a miracle. But our trust should be based on the Word of God, the foundation of God's Word. I like this story with the woman with the issue of blood because she was determined to take hold of what she knew was on Jesus because of what she had heard of him. She was determined to take hold of it whether Jesus ever recognized her. It seems that if Jesus hadn't stopped, she never would have tried to grab his attention. It seems that if Jesus hadn't turned around and said, who touched me? 
or touch my clothes. She would have been content just to be healed and let Jesus keep walking. She's not there to bother him. She's just there to take something from him that God wants for his children. She was there to take hold of the healing power of God. And because God is good and his mercy endures forever, that healing mercy will always be available for you, for me, for everyone else that names the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy. Sometimes the road seems hard to us. Sometimes we see just the obstacles and the difficulty of our way. But Lord, we choose in those times to remember your goodness and your mercy that endures forever. I thank you, Father, that healing is available for each and every one of your children because of your mercy to send Jesus as a substitute and a sacrifice for us. So we declare that we're healed by the mercies of God. We declare that because Jesus took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses and with his stripes took stripes upon his back to pay the price for sickness and disease, we thank you that because of your mercy, that healing is ours. We love you, Father. And we know that we can always count on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Let's say it this way this time. The Lord is good. And his healing mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, thanks for being with us, folks. We love you. Have a great week.